When it comes to arts culture in Portland, there are plenty of worries. Musicians often perform for peanuts. Historic venues, which had been accessible, face expensive seismic upgrades. And rent in Portland's gotten so high, many artists can't afford to live here. But on the upside, there's Portland Five, the theater group whose mission explicitly is to provide subsidized venues to artistic endeavors. Welcome to the Portland Five podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Webb, co-founder of Portland Radio Project. Glad you could join us. Andrea Abbott is here in the studio today. She's the booking and sales coordinator for Portland Five, here to tell us how arts organizations can get on the Portland Five radar. Thanks for joining us, Andrea. Thank you. You are the main contact for local arts organizations. How do you provide support to them as Portland Five? Well, first of all, our mission at the Portland Five is to change the world through the arts. And we feel that we best accomplish this by providing as much support as possible to those arts groups so they can have a successful experience. Uh, We provide a discounted rent to make it a more affordable experience, to have them on beautifully maintained stages with highly trained staff. And we're also able to provide marketing assistance through our emails and social media to increase exposure to their events and help them to be successful. It's fantastic. How do they go about sort of applying to be considered? So they can go uh, through our website, portland5.com, and either call or email me to get more information um, about our venues. Uh, We have five different venues ranging in size from 143 seats to 3,034 seats. So we first of all work with them to determine the best fit for their needs Uh, We will work with them on their estimated attendance for their shows. Uh, We evaluate their technical needs for the stage. And then we also work with the budget that they have for the event. Um, So we have a lot of new interest from groups, and we work with them through these areas just to make sure that they can have a positive experience and, and a really successful event. Nice. Are there some benchmarks that they have to meet, or who are you looking for? Who would you like to feature at the theaters? Yes, so they do need to be a local nonprofit with a 501c3. We go through an application process and we work with them on, you know, gaining experience from past theaters that they have rented, uh, if they have um, an adequate budget to present on the stage, uh, the experience that it takes to present a performance. So we certainly will work with them and guide them, um, but we'll also make sure that it's an appropriate fit. Just a fantastic resource. Do you think arts organizations generally are aware of it? I hope so. Um, You know, but we're always striving to get the word out. So definitely um, by going onto our website at portland5.com, we have a lot of information about the theaters and are happy to help them anytime if they want to call and email us. Great. And we'll hope that the podcast helps get the word out. Good. Thank you. What about the upcoming season? What are the highlights? So we have three amazing groups that are here today um, that I'm thrilled to get to work with throughout the season. So first, the August Wilson Red Door Project. Uh, They're bringing a performance called Evolve, which is for students and also part of our educational program. And I think it's going to be a really powerful event. Is that pertinent to their mission to improve the sort of racial ecology in Portland? Absolutely. I think that's so needed. and, And we're really grateful to have that relationship with them and Hope we can um, bring more exposure to that. What else? So also Oregon Children's Theater. Uh, They have a great season planned as usual. And they're opening with a show that sounds so inspirational called Me Jane that I'm really excited to see. Jane Goodall story by chance. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Can't wait. And then Stumptown Stages. Um, They're opening with West Side Story. 
And I think that's going to be really amazing. They bring really fun and energetic events to the stages. And uh, we're just really excited to uh, watch their growth and their success in our theaters. And they're a joy to work with. Quite a lineup. It is. Thanks so much for being here to tell us about it. Andrea Abbott, Booking and Sales Coordinator for Portland Five. And I hope that what you've said will inspire local arts groups to reach out and get noticed. So too, thank you. And get in one of those theaters. Coming up, we're going to talk with the co-founder of The Red Door Project, which aims to change the racial ecology of Portland through the arts. Stick around. Support comes from Portland Five, which provides its five iconic downtown theaters to local and national arts, music, dance, and education performances. For more, visit portlandfive.com. What if you could, by stepping into another person's experience, change your own consciousness and perhaps your own way of interacting with that person and your community? That's the thought experiment turned theater performance at the heart of the August Wilson Red Door Project, which aims to change Portland's racial ecology. Kevin Jones, co-founder, artistic director, and CEO of the August Wilson Red Door Project, is in the studio. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, Rebecca. Thank you. It's good to be here. Glad to have you here. Tell us, first of all, kind of a Red Door 101. Give me the nutshell. What is it? Sure. So the August Wilson Red Door Project is a nonprofit that was founded in 2011. Its its main mission was to change the racial ecology of uh, Portland through the arts. And we do that by facilitating conversations, uh, producing plays, and engaging in the with the audience and also with other organizations uh, throughout Portland in helping them get more aligned racially with the community. I love it. I think I read that this uh, was based on an inspiration at a very early age that you had coming out of Carnegie Hall one time. Tell me what happened. Sure. So um, I was, I'm a, was and still, I'd like to still think of myself as a classical guitarist. And I was seeing Andre Segovia. Many people have never heard of Andre Segovia, but he was the dude when it came to classical mm-hmm. guitar. As I was leaving Carnegie Hall, I was really pretty, pretty much uh, transported by the experience. And while going home with my teacher, we were stopped by police officers. I was pulled out of the car and thrown against the hood of a car. And um, oh yeah, another life started. Yeah. So that is actually the, the genesis of the reason why we produced the show Hands Up, which is a show that we produced at Portland Five. And then subsequently, we produced Cop Out, which is about uh, the experiences of police officers and we also then put those shows together, Cop Out and Hands Up. Hands Up is about African-American experiences dealing with police profiling. We put all those monologues together, and uh, we got a show called Evolve. And Evolve is the show that's coming up. Yes, it is. But I'm curious what that process was like. There, there must have been some pretty intense moments, first of all, when you got African-Americans and police officers in the same room for the first time. Yeah. So just to give a a little background on that, what happened was we were, we performed Hands Up, which again is seven monologues of African-Americans telling their story of what it's like to be profiled by police. Not a friendly story when it comes to cops listening. It's not something that they want to hear. But yet they invited us to the um, police station, a place called Scenario Village, 
where we were allowed to perform the show for about 25 police officers. And from that led an amazing conversation after the show where police officers were sharing their true feelings. It was a hard conversation. We disagreed a lot, but we came out of that feeling like we wanted to do it again. And from that, I decided that I wanted to um, document their stories. So we hired playwrights from all over the country to sit down with police officers and painstakingly, I will add, um, ask them questions about what's it like to be a police officer in this day and age, especially with the backdrop of uh, police profiling and all of the shootings that have been happening. So it's been a very powerful experience. I would imagine. And what would you say the progress has been like in terms of people's consciousness changing? Yeah, that's a great question. So we had no idea what, what this would produce. Um, but what we found was that uh, people in law enforcement, everyone from police officers on the street to police leadership, uh, the training uh, academy, the district attorney's office, public defenders, FBI, uh, circuit court judges, Supreme Court judges have all uh, given us a positive nod and are doing everything they can to make sure that everyone within criminal justice and law enforcement sees this show. So it's very exciting for us. Very, very exciting. And what kind of support does Portland Five provide for Red Door? Well, you know, Portland Five has been with us almost from the beginning. Uh, when we started in uh, 2011, they were there to uh, sponsor and help us produce our monologue competition at the very beginning. And now they're actually being very generous and providing us with the theater space at a discounted rate. Um, they're just a great partner to have. We just want to stay with them forever. And you talked, <laughs> don't we all? Yes. <laughs> you talked a little bit about Evolve. So it's sort of the next phase, the marriage of hands up and cop out. Mm -hmm. Just set the stage for us, if you will. Sure. So um, it, there are 10 monologues. Um, four of them are monologues of uh, police officers. Actually, I want to go back. There's actually eight monologues. Four of those monologues are from police officers, and four of those monologues are from African-American men and women talking about their experience. We put both of those monologues on stage. We kind of intertwine them in a way that hopefully the audience, after a while, can start to ask themselves, uh, whose side am I actually on? That's the whole point of it, is to get people to move away from the binary thinking and the binary way of negotiating this problem. And um, what happens when they come out is, this is very interesting. I don't want to spoil it for people, but come and see what happens to you as you go through this journey. It's great work. Thank you. Great work you do. Thanks for telling us about it. Kevin Jones, co-founder, artistic director, and CEO of the August Wilson Red Door Project. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rebecca. It's been fun. Evolve from the Red Door Project is an exclusive student event at the Winningstad this fall. It's not open to the public. Support comes from Portland Five, which provides its five iconic downtown theaters to local and national arts, music, dance, and education performances. For more, visit portlandfive.com. Who 
doesn't love a great musical, especially the one you know all the songs to, right? We're back. We're here with Kirk Mouser, producing artistic director for Stumptown Stages. Hi, Kirk. Hi, Rebecca. Glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Oh, of course. My pleasure. Speaking of which, you're about to open West Side Story, and who doesn't know all those songs, right? That's right. <laughs> it's okay if we sing along, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. It's a sing-along. <laughs> Everybody. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Ready? When you're a jet. <laughs> there we go. Nice. Hey, you came back from New York and started Stumptown, right? I did. So I came back in 2005, having grown up in East Monoma County mm-hmm. and uh, 20 years in New York. And in 2005, thought to myself, well, I'm here. Now what? Um, and in my conversations with arts leaders and other organizations in Portland, what we found at that particular time, at least in 2005, that there was a... Uh, lacking music theater company in residence in downtown Portland, and thus Stumptown Stages was born from a lot of creative minds. So the mission was partly to take up that space, the musical theater space. What else? So I had been working uh, first as an actor and then got into uh, directing and producing back east and was with a theater company called Luna Stage Theater Company that did a lot of original uh, plays and and musicals. And at the particular time, the emphasis there at Luna and the body of work that we were doing was to create a platform for a wide and diverse audience base and, of course, uh, audience uh, base as well. And so coming back to Portland, um, I wanted to incorporate this similar uh, ideas that and ideals that we were uh, incorporating there uh, at this theater company in New Jersey. Uh, in my hometown of Portland as well. And so it was very important that our mission included the aspect of uh, diversity and inclusion, um, not only on stage, but off. Why is that important? I think uh, coming from, and this is coming from a, uh, someone who uh, is a, uh, a white middle-aged male, um, I uh, operated in a predominantly African-American theater company in New Jersey and was placed in places where I was teaching kids at Martin Luther King Elementary in Newark. And I I quickly realized that the position that I was placed in, that I had to quickly find a new footing. And it was the most rewarding and eye-opening experience that I I had as an artist over the 30 plus years that I've been doing this professionally. Um, So coming back to Portland, one of the uh, first productions that we talked about doing was Dreamgirls. And in my conversations with producers and other directors here in Portland, they said, well, Kirk, you can't possibly produce Dreamgirls. There isn't the talent locally. And so I, never being one that says, oh, well, you're right, I would just ask the question, why? Why? And and it was very apparent that the community at large was not being approached in a there were too many barriers placed in front of them. There were a uh, few ways to audition. There were a few ways to get notices. And so it really required getting out into the community and building those partnerships and relationships. And so along the way, uh, in bridging uh, the diversity inclusion nature of, of the organization, I teamed with the fabulous Julianne Johnson as my associate artistic director. And so she brought not only incredible amounts of, of energy and talent, but she also brought credibility for her body of work that she's done within the Portland community. And so it's just been who I am, what I'm about. I think any any time that we can remove barriers, um, that's a good thing. 
And um, I think it stems also from the fact that my my uh, stepdaughter, my eldest stepdaughter, has significant needs. And so consequently, being part of a vulnerable population for my stepdaughter all these years, it's been important for me as an artist and as a human being to find those platforms that allow us to uh, create opportunities for all, not just a few. You and Julianne and Stumptown have been breaking barriers of all kinds, and I'm sure that Portland Five has been instrumental in that. Oh, Portland Five has been an incredible partner. We love uh, Portland Five. We've been there for nine years, and uh, during that time, we were anchored at Brunich Theater, which was the rehearsal hall um, back in the day for Portland Center Stage, and then morphed into a black box theater that's been very vibrant and and a wonderful addition to the Portland theater community. And in that conversation with Portland Five, it was it was a matter of, well, let's use the space as an incubator space for arts organizations, such as Stumptown Stages, smaller arts organizations trying to get their footing in the Portland theater scene and see where that goes. And um, we've had a, a wonderful experience and now we're moving on up. So up to the winning stat. To a capacity about twice? Isn't the Brunish about 150? Brunish is 150, give or take a few seats. And and yes, and the winning, winning stat is uh, 304. Um, if, if you uh, take out a few seats and make room for an orchestra, uh, things like that. But it is doubling our capacity. And we were absolutely at the place where our audience, our patron base had, had grown um, significantly over those nine years. Um, but our body of work on stage and what our audiences were looking for. We needed more space. We needed greater capacity. And we were starting to, like many arts organizations, uh, flatline when it came to uh, revenue needs because, again, ticket sales are only covering about 40% of your cost. And so it's helpful to have the additional tickets and, of course, the incredible sponsorship that Portland Five provides us as well. Speaking of tickets, during the break after this segment, we're going to give away a couple tickets, thank you very much, to West Side Story. So folks who would like to see the show can stick around for details on that. But say a word about the challenges of moving to a venue with twice the seating capacity. Are there challenges with that? Well, I, I like to look at challenges as opportunities. And so um, I think in the case of moving from the Brunish uh, Black Box Theater into the Winningstad, which is a very flexible space, but um, also can be utilized as a, a standard proscenium hall, uh, we gain a lot of additional support. Things like an in-house sound system that when we were in the Brunish, we would uh, constantly have to put up and take down because it was a black box venue and and we uh, had to have a lot of labor and a lot of time up and down ladders. Um, going into the winning stat, we're working with the uh, local 28 uh, in Portland and very experienced staff at Portland 5. Uh, it just makes our technical needs much easier. And so you might say, what are the, the challenges? I see some great opportunities for us. And it's also a cultural hub uh, that drives uh, not only the economics of, of the city of Portland, but I think uh, tourism as well. People come there to see great work. Definitely. Well, best of luck with that transition. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. My today. pleasure. Thank you. And uh, break a leg with West Side Story. Thanks. So far, we've covered racial ecology in the arts, musical theater, and coming up in our next segment, we're going to hear from Oregon's Children's Theater. They are the future. (music) 
Support comes from Portland Five, which provides its five iconic downtown theaters to local and national arts, music, dance, and education performances. For more, visit PortlandFive.com. Do you love all the songs from West Side Story? <laughs> For a chance to win a pair of tickets, text 971-232-3343. Keyword story. That's 971-232-3343. The keyword is story. We're here chatting with Kay Spielman, business analyst for Oregon Children's Theater, whose goal is to inspire confidence, collaboration, and creativity in the young minds of today. How's it going, Kay? Fabulous. Great to have you here. How did Oregon Children's Theater get started, and what were your goals at that time? Oregon Children's Theater came out of Portland Civic Theater. And at that point in time, it was Portland Civic Theater for young people. Our first two seasons was part of that program. And um, our director, founder, Sandra Perlman, was running that program at Portland Civic Theater, bringing students to field trips out at Portland Civic Auditorium, which is now the Keller, of course. So the goals were to provide professional theater experience for families and for students. That was also at a time when Measure 5 had recently been passed and arts were dwindling in the schools or being eliminated from schools. And Portland Civic Theater and Sandra both knew that it was really important for students not only to be exposed to the arts, but have all sorts of arts experiences. And how was Portland Five instrumental in helping that evolve? Making us a resident company of P5, we have been in their space from the very beginning. And, you know, they're all the professional staff, the union crew, front of house. It's essential for having really growing and establishing yourself. Well, growing, but providing a professional experience for your audiences and providing an experience that they want to come back and participate in again and again. I am so excited to see me, Jane, based on the story of the incredible anthropologist, primatologist, virtuoso chimpanzee expert, and so much more, Jane Goodall, Are adults allowed to attend? Oh, I think we'll let them in the door, (laughs) as long as they bring a young one with them. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) So tell me about this play. Oh, it's a fabulous musical, of course, about Jane Goodall, but it starts with her as a young girl and her interest in animals and just wanting to learn more about them and take off to Africa. And her mother, the smart woman that she is, tells her she needs to start right here in her own backyard. Great. And how did the Children's Theater think about acquiring that play? Why did you choose it? Me, Jane, has a really strong female character. And we like to include those in our season whenever we can. It also has a really great message for those girls that are interested in science, has a great message about uh, pursuing your dreams and your own personal interests and just following through. Your presentations, it seems to me, have a kind of a mix of classic stories and original productions. Did I get that right? That's true. Most of our shows are based on books to start with, and historically that's what our company has done. We do occasionally, when we find the right script, do an original work. Uh, A couple years ago we did, and in this corner, Cassius Clay, Um, We also did Jason and the Argonauts last year. Since we do have a school audience where students come on field trips, we try to make sure that our titles can have some connection to their curriculum. Um, But yeah, it's pretty easy to do. At what age 
can kids realistically be expected to sit through a theater performance? Yeah, that's a good question. Most of our shows are going to be appropriate for ages four or five and older. Uh, this year, we are doing The Very Hungry Caterpillar, and that Great. is one of the shows um, that is appropriate for what they're calling theater for very young audiences. And that show, two-year-olds easily. Really? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Are they expected to be quiet? Well, <laughs> you're no, you're dealing with children. And quite honestly, is theater not about the audience participating in that performance and providing their own authentic response to what they're seeing? Sure. I I really think that's important. And no, we don't ask them to be quiet. Oh, that's a relief. <laughs> so along with your performances and classes, you give what I've heard is a bang-up summer camp. Oh, yes, absolutely. OCT summer classes, they sell out really quickly. So do you have any anecdotes that you could share with us? Anything interesting that happened this year at summer camp? Or does it staff to stay at summer camp if it happened there? Well, I'm actually, we have a big story, or rather, maybe not a big story, a strong memory from some of our staff. And it's not from this last summer, it's from the year before. We were loading into P5 for our summer classes. We do two weeks of classes there, and there's like three classes of kids um, that are going on all at one time in different spaces in the building. And this is 8.30 in the morning. The van's got everything in it. Um, people are talking and getting ready to unload. They learn that they've locked the keys inside the van. No. Class starts in 30 minutes. No. It happens. P5 staff rallied behind us. OCT staff back at the office rallied. We got rosters that were emailed to somebody in the venue. Uh, one of our warehouse crew was able to locate another set of keys. We called AAA. Keys arrived at something like maybe 10 minutes before class. <laughs> Older students that were expecting to start their class in 10 minutes, they're helping us unload the music stands, the pianos, the blocks, the theater blocks that students are using for classes, medical supplies. All that stuff needs to be loaded in. Students are helping us. P5 staff is helping us. And we start class on time. Actually sounds like quite a good experience for them. You know? I, I think it was a real, re it was truly a relief, but also a high that everybody pulled together and, and pulled it off. Sounds great. What's a children's theater without a good disaster, right? <laughs> Every, what's theater without a disaster, right? right? <laughs> True enough. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And me, Jane, coming up in October. In October, yeah. Yeah, opens October 19th. All right. We'll be looking forward to it. I will be there. <laughs> For more information on any of our projects featured in this episode, we have a blog post on our website, prp.fm, with more detail and a direct link to all the upcoming seasons for these nonprofit theaters in our community. Thank you so much, Kay. Thank you. Great to have you here. If your child would like to see the inspiring story of Jane Goodall, text the number 971-232-3343. The keyword is Jane to win a family four-pack of tickets to Me Jane at Oregon Children's Theater this fall. I'm Rebecca Webb. Thanks for joining us for Episode 4 of the Portland 5 Podcast.